test. Three, four. One, one, two, three, five, eight, thirteen, twenty-one, thirty-four. Fibonacci series. <laughs> All right. Good morning. Welcome to the Life of Christ, Part Ninety-Nine, or so. Uh, we've been on this for a while. We're getting closer. Unfortunately, that's, the closer you get, the, the worse the story gets. That's, I hate to tell you that, but that's just the truth. If you, if you didn't already know, but I know most everybody here already knows. But um, To me, the, the story gets harder to tell towards the end. It really does. It gets harder to tell. These are where I usually get notes. Chronological study of the life of Jesus, Gene Taylor. Um, more than anything, that's our guide to who's, where to go next, you know, as we follow along some kind of... A, an outline, and it's based on the fourfold gospel of J. David McCarvey. Um, there's stuff on Padfield. I use Kaufman's commentary. I use the fourfold, fourfold gospel, and a little bit of stuff. So if you want a deeper study, that's just the stuff I typically use. I use Bible Gateway. I use studylight.org. Those are my most common places to go. So I'm going to pick up in chapter 17. Uh, Chuck, last week when I looked at the YouTube video, he finished off with the ten lepers, but you didn't finish the story. So, okay, he just set the stage for the ten lepers. So that's where we're going to pick up. We're going to pick up with the ten lepers. Um, I'm not going to try to reset the stage, but I'll start with the verses because the story don't make sense if you just start in the end. <laughs> it's, it's part two. We we joke about that with the gospel. A lot of times, vacation Bible school, they'll split the gospel up into two lessons. On one day he dies, and the next day he comes to life. But if the kid doesn't come back, if he doesn't come back for the second day, he gets a terrible story. And uh, so we try to combine them any chance. So, anywho, Luke 17, verse 11 through 13. We're going to be in Luke 17 all day. Um, on the day, on the way to Jerusalem, I'm not reading well today. On the way to Jerusalem, he was passing along between Samaria and Galilee. As he entered a village, he was met by ten lepers who stood at a distance and lifted up their voices, saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. When he saw them, he said to them, Go and show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. Then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back, praising God with a loud voice, and he fell on his face at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks. Now he was a Samaritan. Then Jesus answered, We're not ten cleansed? Where are the nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? And he said to them, He said to him, Rise and go your way. Your faith has made you well. All right, so back to the text. He said, Chuck covered a lot of this. He covered a map and telling you about where they were between Samaria and Galilee and the fact that this is pretty much the last trip Jesus takes before he goes to Jerusalem for final week. And you, gave, you gave some other information in there too. But recommend, go see the YouTube video if you want to see some of that. Um, so why did the leper stand at a distance? Because they had leprosy. Is that what you said? I thought that's what you said. Because they had leprosy. Huh? They all have leprosy. Ah, yeah, for the law. Yeah, By, yeah you're right. For the law, you had to stand at a distance. Actually, in Leviticus 13, 45 through 46, the lepers, the leprous person who has a disease shall wear torn clothes and let the hair of his head hang loose, and he shall cover his upper lip and cry out, Unclean, unclean. He shall remain unclean as long as he has disease. He's unclean. He shall live alone. His dwelling shall be outside of the camp. So they got to stay 
out because it was transmissible, right? Or it still is transmissible. So yeah, um, you know, we've got our own versions of that today uh, as we've dealt with the Rona here for the last two years plus. You know, again, if you got it, stay away. So this is something that's lifelong. So they had to stay at a distance. I also read that the rabbis had their own version. They've added to the law. Um, they set a distance. Now that distance seems to vary, or they haven't really figured out exactly what. I don't think it's a consensus, probably a local thing. But according to the books, the uh, commentaries I read, anywhere from five and a half yards to 100 paces. Okay? So five and a half yards is what, 17 and a half feet? Um, Brenda and Nora are within the circle. If, if I have leprosy, they're inside the circle. The rest of y'all outside that circle. A hundred paces. Anybody, anybody else was in marching band? That was a chance to admit it. Okay, I was in marching band. When we marched, we marched eight steps to five yards. That's how we measured things. And they're 22 and a half inch steps. Eight steps to five yards. So a hundred paces would be 60 yards, basically 60 and a half yards. So you're now you're looking at 180-something feet. You're looking as far as the water fountain, you know. Is that about right, Chuck? 180 feet back to the water fountain from here? Okay. So maybe not that far, huh? Yeah. Or at least down somewhere down the hallway. It would be how far at 100 paces you'd have to stay away. Um, even without the microphone, I can probably talk to everybody in this auditorium. One, we've got a good, sound system, a good sounding system. I can talk loud enough. As Charlie says, use your coaching voice. You can talk to the whole room even without a microphone. You can talk a little louder, but you can talk really loud. You want to talk to somebody as far away as the, as the uh, water fountain, and more so if it was outside. But that's just kind of, anyways, at a distance. Like I said, the law kept them at the distance. What impact do you think this leprosy would have on their psychosocial, that's one of my wife's terms, mental, emotional, social, spiritual health? Um, that's pretty rough. You know, that's probably not going to beat that answer right there. That's a... No, they don't have a life. They've, they've had to give up living in the city, living with the, you know, food, Hopes, dreams, jobs, family. Pretty rough. Yeah, hey, come hug me, you know. No, 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 you know, it ain't going to happen. Yeah. Hugs, shaking hands, chuck. It'd be a living nightmare. A living nightmare is, yeah. Because you're watching your health decline day by day. The only people you get close to is another leper. Yeah, that's, that's it. We stand up in there and living together because that's the only people that can be around. And that's, yeah, that's where it's at. Um, when Camille worked hospice for several years as a social worker, this is her first thing to do with somebody that visit. When they did admit you to hospice, they did a psychosocial evaluation. I don't know if you know that outside of being a social worker, but it was her job to go see how is their emotional state and their, uh, their mental state, you know, how are they dealing with family, what are they wanting to do, how are they going to deal with, with the fact that they're, they're dying. Yeah. Like my dad. Yeah. He was, um, he was, uh, my daughter and I were, 
They come see me every two or three weeks. They come see you every two or three. And a chaplain. They, yeah, the chaplain's usually part of that. They mm-hmm. done the psychosocial evaluation and here and there. Yeah. Well, with me and Dad, they're really close to me now, so yeah. they come together. It's more than your physical health. It's seeing how you're doing with that. My son now, they're all involved with him because they know the devastation that's about to happen anytime, and it's for him, it's going to destroy him. Right. So, I would, like I said, I'm asking. this part, I'm just asking about the lepers. No, you're okay. You just hit it, you know, when I was thinking, oh, you know, that's what they're doing the very first day when they come. That's, that's what they do, and they continue to evaluate that. And that's, uh, and that's why you would evaluate these guys. If you really just think, ah, there's four lepers, there's ten lepers hanging out together. No, no. You really got to get deeper than that of how much of a tragedy this is to these people. They've given up hope. You know, yeah. to, be, to be at that point. They're lepers. So it says they shouted to Jesus. What did they shout? Have mercy on me. Have mercy on me. Um, one of the symptoms of leprosy is a total loss of voice. That's one of the things that, that happens. They lose their voice. The effort that it would took to shout, like I said, I can shout out. But the effort for them to shout out. Now, why did they yell, have mercy? Why did they choose that? It's amazing who can see who he is and those who can't see who he is. I'm almost amazed by that. The blind people, the people who are blind know who he is, but the people who can see can't see him. And these people are out of hope. Chuck? It is a case. It is a curse of self-sufficiency. I'll take care of myself. And and we're all probably to some level of guilty of that because we can give help, but boy, sometimes we don't accept it very well. Oh, accepting help is a tough thing. I told Matt yesterday afternoon. I said I got to go home and clean up in the front. I need to clean up after the last hurricane. In the back, I still have to clean up after two hurricanes. And the grass needs mowed because it's ankle deep. He goes. Why is your pride keeping you from letting me come over and take care of your place? <laughs> so, so. <laughs> that's a good question. Call me out. I would say that. We also shared an ADD moment yesterday. I went to get trash bags, but got sidetracked with a light bulb that needed replaced and a vacuum cleaner that needed repaired. And. Um, and then I was about to fuss at Matt. Once I got the vacuum repaired, I was about to fuss at him for not coming back to the light bulb and being ADD. And that's when I was reminded that I forgot the trash bags. So we shared both of those yesterday. So we're, we're okay. We're okay. So these lepers have, they need mercy. They have no hope. Even like this, you're kept outside the line. You can't go in there. It's not like they, they don't just say, you know, I'm done with this. I'm coming in. They don't. They know, you know, they're not even trying. They're, not that they'd want to. They wouldn't want, they wouldn't want to put that on anybody else. They wouldn't want to put, share that leprosy with someone that puts them in that place. They've given up all hope. So they're not yelling at Jesus, say, hey, heal us. We saw you heal somebody. And they're not yelling at them to heal them. They're saying, have mercy. It's this whole psychosocial thing that they want. Have mercy on us. 
When he saw them, he said to them, Go and show yourself to the priests. As they went, they were cleansed. And we know that's part of the law, too. That's to be cleansed. You're going to have to be evaluated by a priest. Check me out. Look, I'm clean. When were they healed? A, when Jesus responded. B, when they showed themselves to the priest. Or C, somewhere along the journey. C. C. How many miracles have we seen where you were healed when Jesus said you're healed? We reached out and touched them when he put the mud on their eye. You know, some of that kind of, well, I guess it wasn't even the one on his eye. The guy wasn't healed then. It was later. Um, a lot of miracles, it happens immediately. Some of them, it happens later. Go do this task, and then it happens. This is along the way. Uh, some of the commentaries talk about the fact that this is one of those things that can't really be faked. You know, a true scammer, somebody wrote a scam article. And I, I like, you know, sometimes I face the naysayers, but... If this isn't real, Jesus would have healed everybody as he touched them or as his shadow touched them or something like that. But this is the power in this of go see the priests. He never touches them. He just says go see the priests. And on their way, they're cleansed. Chuck? I, you know, and I think the healing was a little bit like it was for Naaman. Was, you know, go, down, go dip seven times in that foul river. And it didn't happen until the seventh time. Mm. Jesus it, said, go, show yourself to the priest. Well, if they're going to show themselves to the priest, they're already right there believing it's going to happen. Because why would they go to the priest, priest otherwise? Right. But if they were healed like Naaman, their skin was like a baby. It wasn't a matter of it halted. It's a bacteria that, that's, that's mm. leprosy. It, it wasn't the fact that it killed all the bacteria. It's, they were restored. Restored, yes. Yeah, it's, I'm, I'm with you. They were fully restored. Um, actually, some of that kind of stuff, what you said, tell me about the faith these men have to begin their walk to the priest to certify their healing. I got leprosy. Go see the priest and say you're clean. All right, here I go. That first step, they're not clean. The second step, they're not clean. You know, they're not clean. Alvin? As we find out later, one guy's a Samaritan. He doesn't say about the other ones, they're probably Jews. They go to separate mountains, basically, you know, to see their priests. The Samaritans go to Mount Gerizim. So, you know, this is, but their faith is, Jesus said, go see them. Show them your cleanse. Their faith is, we're going. We're going to be clean when we get there. You know, they could see it, right? They, they could see the sores. Like you said, Chuck said, is their skin smooth as a baby yet? No. But their faith is, it will be by the time you get there. He's not going to send them there without that hope. That's a tremendous thing that, to know that. You compare it to sin, knowing your sin's forgiven, but can you live that way? Can you live that way on that first step? So, we'll compare it to that. Then Luke 17, verse 15, Then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back, praising God with a loud voice, and he fell on his face at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks. Now he was a Samaritan. 
like I said, they, they kind of they get healed on the way, and there's nothing really says they got this far, and all ten of them were healed. Maybe one guy said, "I'm healed." The other ones, it might have been a little farther down the way. I don't know. Maybe they didn't notice till. It doesn't say, but it doesn't doesn't necessarily mean that they got to spot X and it just snapped and happened. Chuck said it. How healed is this guy? His skin's like a baby. He no longer has the sores. He no longer has the problem with his voice. His hair restored. Psychosocial. Does he gain his hope? Does he gain that stuff? That might, you know, part. What's that? It might. The potential for it to be healed. How about that? That's, that happens, I would say that's all healed. When they realize that is another thing. The courage to step across that line. But yeah, healed. Not partially healed, not looking better. Healed. Like I said, I don't think all ten lepers are Samaritans. But that's typically a textual thing. If you're a Jew, they don't say it. If you're something else, they usually say um, and Jesus answered in verse 17, We're not ten cleansed. Where are the nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? And he said to him, Rise and go your way. Your faith has made you well. In Coughlin's commentary, he uses a word called obduracy. Anybody ever seen this word before? I've never seen this word before. I, I like big words, okay? I cannot lie. I, I like big words. And the roots behind them and what they really mean. And that's one of my things with reading is coming across big words. I don't think I'll be using this word. And, uh, but anyways, it's a resoluteness by virtue of being unyielding and unflexible. And as the coffin uses this to describe the other nine lepers. Well, this guy, this one guy, sees that he's healed and he goes back to Jesus and praises him. The other nine, although they may be healed... And we know they're healed by the time they get to the priests. <laughs> they ain't changing on the inside. They're inflexible. They're still lepers on the inside. And they're still, the psychosocial part still has them as, at that point. They may never give full credit to where this came from. Um, he compares this, Kaufman compares this to Israel. And we definitely see this with the Pharisees and the Sadducees. They see Jesus. They see his miracles. They see, they hear his teaching they are resolutely unyielding, unflexible, will not change the way they view the world. Obduracy. I have no idea what the other words are, if you use it as a noun or an adjective or whatever, but this is kind of what you see. You know people this way. Hopefully you are not one of these people. But that's what the other nine are, that's, and the Pharisees are the same way, if you want to look at this as a parable of some sort. Although I want to tell you, it's, it's not a parable. It's an account. A lot of stuff, it has a parable meaning, uh, symbolic on, t on the outside too. So why didn't they return? I kind of just said it. but They're from New York. It's, it's better in New York, isn't it? I've always heard that. I've lived here for almost 50 years, and every New York, every New Yorker I've ever talked to tells me how good it is in New York. No? It's not better? <laughs> sure it is. 
they are much more self-centered. Uh, yeah, it's a, it's, it's a different attitude. It's a different attitude. I'll give you that. It doesn't have to be New York, but I know a lot of New Yorkers that fit this, this mold. I will say that. Okay, anybody else? Got, maybe that's just good enough. That's a good enough answer, right? It's like Nora saying in their life, it was rough. They're psychosocial. That's good enough. J.S. Lamar, like I say, Kaufman, Kaufman quotes a lot of these people, and he uses a lot of commentaries to build his commentary. Don't think that I've read 99 books, because I haven't. It suggests that there's possibilities that ring true today. Why did the nine not come back to Jesus? Why were they not thankful? And it rings true today for, like I said, if you compare it to our own sins that are forgiven, you can see these same kind of things. One guy might have said that he waited to see if the cure was real. You know, he got this far and was healed. He could turn back around. I don't know, is this, is this going to stick? Is this, a, is this a game? You know, he, Alvin? Yep. If you're a Jew, you're not clean until the priest says you're clean, right? If you're not that clean, you can't go back to the you can't go back to Jesus either, can you? You can't get that close. You can't go within your five and a half yards or whatever. That's a good point. But this could be somebody's rationale. Um, forgiveness for sin. When you look at it that way, how many people is this real? Is it you know, am I really forgiven? Am, is it going to stick? Sometimes we evaluate other people that way. Is this going to stick? God, I, we'll see. One of them might have waited to see. That's the same kind of thing, I guess, really. Like I said, it's his nose. See if it would last. So one, you know, see if, is, is he really healed? And the other one, how long will he be healed? Is it a temporary thing or is it going to go back to where he was? One might have said that he would see Jesus later. You get so far in the journey, maybe you're halfway to the priests. Maybe you're 80% of the way there before you realize you're healed. Do you go on or do you go back? Eh, I'll catch him later. I think these guys knew who Jesus was. They'd seen him before. Otherwise, they would have not yelled out, have mercy on us. Because he'd just been some guy. So they could have went that way. Again with sin. When do you put on Christ? I got tomorrow. I got next week. I got time, right? This is a common thing with that. One might have decided he never had leprosy. You hear this kind of stuff in the world today, don't you? Sure. Deny it. Eh, he didn't really have leprosy. He was misdiagnosed. Sure. One said he could have, could have said that he had gotten well anyways. You know, I was already feeling better. I'm taking those vitamins. I bought that stuff off the internet, and uh, I'm doing better every day, right? He could deny, deny what had been done. One could give glory to the priests. He got all the way to them. Susan? And a lot of times, we're guilty of that, you know, we pray to God for something, and we get it, and if it's real significant, we'll say, thank you, God, but sometimes we just go on and we forget to, to thank him. We do. Uh, we forget to thank him. We get what we needed and we forget it kind of wears off on us maybe. Chuck? Yeah, kind of, kind of leveraging that. It is kind of destructive. 
is God there to serve us, or are we there to serve God? And the nine may have felt, he's there to serve me, and the one may have felt, I'm here to serve him. That's a good point. Yeah. Is it God's here to serve us, or are we here to serve God? If somebody saves your life, somebody bails you out in some hard-to-conceive manner, you'd almost feel you owed them something. You know, just, just man to man, person to person. You know, you're out here and you got a flat tire and somebody stops and changes it for you. Somebody comes over and does the unspeakable for you. Whatever that might be. You'd feel that you owed them something. And I think it's no, yeah, same kind of thing. How many people, they appreciate the forgiveness, they appreciate the salvation, but enough to come worship, come serve, using their talents? That's where it gets to be. They might come to church, but don't become the church. Same kind of deal. One might have said, oh, well, Jesus didn't really do anything. Did he do anything? Did he touch him? Did he give a special incantation? Did he give him a magic carpet to ride or whatever? He told him right to right? Did he really do anything? <laughs> but you can see where people's concept is on that stuff. Chuck? And that's, with, with them, that would be a misunderstanding. Yeah. Because maybe they didn't understand it. That means all yeah. of who he really was, since the apostles still didn't get it at this particular time. But you have Jesus also, he's on his way to Jerusalem for the Passover. He can't be accused of being with lepers and still worship in the Passover. That's, that's true. His death. Yeah, he can't be accused of being with lepers and worship the Passover. What he does is what he did at the beginning. He was the one who spoke into existence. He didn't do anything special. He just says, let there be light. That's all he did. That's all he did. That's, that's, that's what he says. Go show yourself a priest. You'll be healed. Yeah. It, 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 if they understood what was in the Pentateuch, they would have understood his power. They understood God. They would have understood Jesus. And they understood, yeah, you're right. What did he do? It was God. You're right. Alvin? Yeah, all matter of grave. They do that. Yeah, they would know Along that same thing, I, I, I'm always amazed as we'll get into it. The people who, who welcome Jesus, you know, they cheer him on as he comes to Jerusalem, yet now yell, crucify him at the end of the week. And some of them are the same people. Some of the same people who cheered when Lazarus came out of the grave. These people may have been eating the fish and the, the bread, the feeding of the 5,000. You'd find it hard to believe, wouldn't you, that maybe one or ten of these lepers stands and yells, crucify them later? Yeah, and they probably didn't go that far, but maybe... They definitely don't have the funds to go that way, I don't think. But it's still, it's the attitude of, it's the attitude of people is really what you'll see. Yeah. They're there. They're, 
those people that saw Lazarus raised are definitely, definitely there and definitely yelled at. And that has to be one of the, you know, if that miracle couldn't change your mind about him being the Son of God, what else can you get to heal? You know, leprosy is an amazing thing. Death? That's another one. I'll, I'll tell the story while I'm here because I'm never going to get to the next part anyways. Uh, this is just how it rolls. Um, I went to the School of Preaching in Lakeland for two classes um, so in a year's time. But the teacher of one of those, um, there's a big faith healing church there in town, a really big one on TV and stuff. And um, when we talked about miracles and things, the teacher there said, if I die during this semester, if I die, your job, your final exam is to take my body to the faith healing church. <laughs> he says, they said, you take me up on the stage, and if I come out of that casket, <laughs> change. <laughs> but it was, you know, that was, our, that was our request. But anyway, and I can see that. Like I said, if you could bring him back to life, you found, you have found God. That's just flat out it. So. One could have said that any rabbi could have done it. Anybody could bring, get rid of leprosy. One could have said, I already was already that much improved as I've hit way too many pieces of punctuation. You can see these as normal human reactions. Okay. Okay. No, no, he did not die that semester. Luckily, no, luckily I didn't have to take him down there. Um, I did later find out that he died, and I asked some people still tied to the school preacher, and I said, did anybody take him? <laughs> did anybody take him? So. Chuck? Yeah, did wait four days? That's, that's another part. So. <laughs> All right, so uh, 10 received physical healing. Only one received salvation of his soul. At the, at the end of it, rise and go your way. Your faith has made you well. It's more than just his, you know, they all got the healing of the, of the leprosy. They all become clean. Only one comes back and really gets that salvation. He praises God. He praises Jesus as God. He's declared as a foreigner because he's not, he's outside. You know, and when you see the Gentiles later, and they're foreigners, but they're the ones who receive the gospel. They're the ones who see Christ more so than the ones who have learned the first five books, more so than the ones who call themselves experts in the law and keep every little bit of it. It's the Gentiles, the outsiders, the foreigners who catch on. How often do the love and life of the pardoned sinner fail to respond to the grace that saved them? And we've kind of talked about that. And unfortunately, it's true. And hopefully, each of us remembers what we're saved from. Not just that you're saved, what you're saved from, and what that means on the, on the, uh, going forward. Good time? We ain't got time for all of it. Yeah, we'll do it. We'll try it. Okay, I don't have as many questions on this part. And to be honest, this is Jesus speaks, and it's pretty much that's about how it's going to go. So Luke 17, verses 20 through 21. Being asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, he answered them, the kingdom of God is not coming in ways that can be observed, nor will they say, look, here it is, there, or behold, the kingdom of God is in the midst of you. 
And he said to the disciples, The days are coming when you will desire to see one of the days of the Son of Man, and you will not see it. And they will say to you, Look there, look here, do not go out or follow them. For as the lightning flashes and lights up the sky from one side to the other, so will the man, Son of Man be in his day. But first he must suffer many things and be rejected by his generation. Just as it was in the days of Noah, so will it be in the days of the Son of Man. They were eating and drinking and marrying and being given in marriage until the day when Noah entered the ark. The flood came, destroyed them all. Likewise, just as it was in the days of Lot, they were eating and drinking, buying and selling, planting and building. But on the day when Lot went out from Sodom, fire and sulfur rained from heaven and destroyed them all. So will it be on the day when the Son of Man is revealed. On that day, let the one who is on the housetop with his goods in his house not come down and take them away. Likewise, let the one who is in the field not turn back. Remember Lot's wife. Whoever seeks to preserve his life will lose it. Whoever loses his life will keep it. I tell you, in that night there will be two in one bed. One will be taken, the other left. There will be two women grinding together. One will be taken, the other left. They said to him, Where, Lord? He said to them, Where the corpse is, there the vultures will gather. All right. Anybody want to summarize that in ten words or less? Wow. Are you welcome to? Chuck? It answers to their first question, and then he adds to it about the end of time. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. But I think that was more than 10 words. But. Yeah, close enough. You're right. He, he answers the question. And it's like, because it says they asked when the kingdom was going to come. And he says, basically he tells them, you ain't going to see the kingdom come. It's not going to be a lot of signs and, you know, here's the king. Chuck? Even more. He says, if you haven't got it from all the signs I've been showing you so long, you aren't going to get it ever. Yeah, because they're because, always asking Because for look around you what I've done. If you can't figure that out, why are you asking me this dumb question? Well, why do you keep chasing me and why can't you figure this out? Yeah, they're always asking for signs. This is what's one more time. Just give us a sign. I've given you a gazillion signs. If you can't figure it out by now, you can see it. And when the kingdom does come, the church, it'll be amongst you and you still won't see it. But he starts talking about the end of time. When the kingdom of heaven, basically. At the end of the church time, he talks about the second coming. And he says, you won't miss that. If you don't see the church, you ain't going to miss this. Okay? And that's really where it is. There's a lot of false teaching involved with some of the aspects of this. Um, and I don't, I'm not going to get into that, but I don't want you to fall for it either. There are people who teach a millennium. Jesus comes again and he sits on a throne for a thousand years and we fight for a third chance. That's not going to happen. Um, that's just not the way it happens. There's some people talk about a rapture where he takes his people out. And as part of the premillennial thing is, he takes his people out and the rest of the people fight for another chance. That ain't going to happen. He takes his people with him and everything else gets destroyed. That's the second coming. Chuck? He says, I'm the Alpha and the Omega. Right. There's no middle letter. There's no middle letter. I'm the beginning and the end. Um, that's it. Um, the question the Pharisees asked was probably a mocking question. When is this kingdom of God which you say is coming? Of course, this is written in like old English type stuff. 
when is this kingdom that you say is coming, in which you say you're going to make king, when is this going to visibly appear? You've got no job. You've got no money. When is this going to happen? We're waiting to see this miraculous kingdom. And basically his answer is, no. There won't be any headlines. There's not going to be a public proclamation of a king. It won't be on CNN. The revolution will not be televised. There will not be a flag, a palace, an army. None of this stuff is going to happen. Okay? The church is just going to be, it says, in the midst of you. It will be in hearts. It will be changes. If you're looking, and you know what to look for. It says, observed. The, king, um, the kingdom of God is not coming in ways that can be observed. Observed is a medical term. Luke's a doctor. This is one of his things. You think about being in a hospital under observation. You're not in good shape if you're under observation. You've probably had a stroke or you've had a heart attack or you were in some kind of life-threatening circumstances. If you're in there and they're looking at your heart and they're observing your heart, how detailed are they looking for? How detailed and thorough are they looking at you? Very, <laughs> Very right? Especially if you're in critical care or intensive care. They're continuing to watch every detail of that. What are they not looking at? They're only looking for stuff that they were planning to look at. With, well, you got a heart problems? We're looking at your heart. They're not looking, well, they might be looking at your bank account. They're not looking at other things in life. So, and that's kind of what he says is basically you can observe looking for what you're looking for and you won't see it because that's not the problem. That's not the kingdom. The kingdom is not going to be what you're looking for. It's something else. It's internal. It's spiritual. It's not going to be external. It's going to be spiritual and internal. Um, when will be there be an external material declaration? When will you hear that Jesus is Lord? That? It was a miracle. We understand it on the day of on the day of Pentecost when the keys were used to open the kingdom to everyone so that they could understand the kingdom. Until then, they didn't understand it. Even even the ones we're talking about didn't understand it. But somebody can look at it and say, well, you know, they're speaking a bunch of stuff. uh, They're they're going back to that old story about Jesus and like that. And so they wouldn't recognize this as a a sign. They wouldn't see it at all. They missed hearing the the veil and the temple rip. They they missed hearing the earthquake, the, you know, with his resurrection, with his death. They, what's that? Yeah, they, they, yeah, they missed that. They missed hearing, like you say, they missed the the voices on the day of Pentecost. We also we hear the, we hear this declared. With everyone that's baptized, that's one of the questions that's asked. Is Jesus Lord? Do you declare him to be the Son of God? Do you declare him to be the Lord? We hear that. We also will hear it on the, on the second coming. As he comes in the, in the sky with the trumpet, right? Is that the, right? You'll hear it. Everyone will hear it. It'll be a material declaration. Jesus shows that those great physical cataclysmic disorders... If you're looking for a sign, looking for a big sign, looking, it's going to come at the second coming. That's really where that kind of stuff is going to come. Christians will be a te- a, um, 
oppressed by temptations, they'll be uh, oppressed by tribulations until that time comes. When Christ come, comes again, like I say, ain't nobody going to miss it. It ain't going to, it don't matter if you're inside, don't matter if you're sleeping, it don't even matter if you're dead. Everybody, believers, scoffers, all will know when he comes back. Um, Torture religious feeling will have waned in that unknown and possibly distant future when Messiah will reappear. But burning with a pale, faint light, the bulk of mankind will be given up. Anyways, they're not, the, the, life's going to go on just like it did. It talks about Noah, it talks about Lot. Life's going to go on until it don't. And when it don't, you won't miss it. Anyways, the key to that is don't look back. Well, we got time. Don't look back on the the, the uh, temptations of society. Don't let. Don't lose the kingdom. Don't give up on it. It is coming. Don't give up on it. I'll leave you that. We'll just leave it. Yeah, right there. Sing the wondrous-